The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. The fantasy playoffs begin today for most of us. I know that doesn't have quite the same sting if I didn't add for the for most of us. April the 19th, 2021, fantasy playoffs underway. Many of you began last week. Some of you will begin next week, but I believe the vast majority, maybe not over 50%, I don't know. The plurality of us have our fantasy playoffs starting this week. It runs for three weeks. It eliminates the final week of the regular season as we foolishly think getting rid of one week will actually dampen silly season, which is very much in full effect already at least for about seven or eight of the teams in the NBA. And it'll just go up by a couple of teams every week between now and then. So it is, yes, it's the worst, that last week, but we're in it already. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our Friday show. Um, we really got into the the deep weeds on that one, the ultimate streamer guide. I would advise any of you guys that are listening to this show and thinking, Dan, I wish you'd tell me more about how to stream for the playoffs. Just listen to the Friday show. I did it for the entire rest of the NBA regular season. And now it's up to you guys to go in there and see which players on the teams I talked about, which, by the way, was all 30 of them, but it's you know based on specific date windows between now and the end of the regular season. Find out which players on those teams are actually available in your league. We are going to do a reverse chronological lightning round today because a few things interesting happened over the weekend, um, and we learned some things maybe on a larger scale about some of the teams we might have been targeting for streaming. We will move a little bit faster through that stuff because there's two very distinct things we're working on right now. On one side, on Roto, if you are ever so slightly behind the game's cap run, this is where you start to pick up guys with really juicy streaming or per game possibilities and you're also very willing to cut guys on your own team that are going to be out for a week or two because there's only four weeks left so you just sort of you need to make sure you're getting your best options in there can't afford to wait for ramp ups things like that so we'll talk about roto guys as we do our chronological lightning round and we'll talk about the head-to-head element of these things there are certain guys and i kind of need two more uh, unique ways to describe it, because there's head-to-head streaming, which is maximizing games. There's roto streaming, which is using a guy with a robust opportunity, even if it's not the world's greatest schedule. So roto stream versus head-to-head stream right now are two very different things, and they kind of always are. Although there is some convergence, you know, if there's a guy with a, got a big upgrade in his role and has a good schedule, then it works for both. So I'm going to do my best to try to distinguish between those two the head-to-head ones are really schedule streamers and a roto ones are opportunity streamers hello by the way this is fantasy nba today your monday edition start of week i don't even know what start of playoff week one that's all you really need to know at this point i think it's 19 that's not right is it who the hell knows i've lost track and it doesn't really matter it's actually week 18 And again, this jumped on me. 
I'm Dan Bespris, by the way. Thank you for listening, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I think a few of you guys actually did find me over the weekend. Folks that sort of stumbled into my mega streamer primer. Again, that was a, that was a fun one. Hopefully, you guys are going to stick with us here through the playoffs. It jumped on me. I'll admit, I missed the playoffs by a half game in one of the my newer leagues that I joined this year for the first time. Not a good year, by the way, to join new leagues where you're sort of getting a feel for the settings, getting a feel for the competition level, who gets dropped, who gets stashed. I'm a stasher. I try to get off to a quick start, which I did, and then I stashed guys, my own and other people's dudes that got dropped, and it, and it really... It screwed me this year because there were basically two to three fewer opportunities at the end of the season to make the run. I never thought I was going to miss the playoffs in that league. I figured I had plenty of time, and then here we are, whammo, right on the edge, right on the outside looking in. So hopefully you guys didn't get caught blindsided a little bit by the playoffs the way I did. And, you know, that's the the magic of a weird, shortened COVID injury 72-game season. But we don't need to get into that. Uh, I'm in the head-to-head playoffs in a couple of leagues where my team just didn't suffer the same glut of injuries. The point here is, first of all, welcome to another week of show. This is, we're going to be trying to do a lot of things at the same time, so please do bear with me on that front. That's really the main thing. This is a HoopBall presentation. Hoop-Ball.com is the website, at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter. Again, I am at Dan Bespris. You can find me by just Google searching Dan from HoopBall. Twitter will pop up, usually second or third option on that report. I would also say please do check out the HoopBall Fantasy Pass. It's $4.99 a month. You can get this month here. It'll take you through the end of your fantasy playoffs or your roto schedule. We'll help walk you to the finish line. You can cancel it after that if you want. It's $4.99. We'll help you win your league. The Discord by itself is worth that. You can get pro access tagging our different pros. We have our tweet storms in there, live chats, Every weekday, very much worth it. That's at hoop-ball.com and click on the premium tab. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through reverse chronological lightning round, trying to pick apart the roto versus head-to-head where where we're going to be attacking things. We are going to do a Monday night preview. But I also wanted to mention a couple of things here at the outset, how to handle your fantasy playoffs, because there are some big picture, broad stroke things that we all need to be cognizant of as your playoffs begin. First, because this year is by all accounts special in how many guys are resting and how clustered the schedule is at the end of the year. We have some we have a very heavy schedule with the exception of basically this week for Toronto. We have an extremely game-heavy schedule down the stretch, more than in a normal fantasy season. On top of that, you have these guys that were tired because of the weird offseason, some teams that were less tired but then weren't in their normal routine. So more rest days and more games is going to create this weird discrepancy between how many games you think you're getting out of your guys and how many games you actually get out of your guys. Like, there are a lot of teams that are playing 16 games or more over these last four weeks. That's pretty rare in a normal NBA season to go 4-4-4-4, and it's not even a little bit rare this year. Grizzlies actually have 17 games the rest of the way. 
it's a little bit crazy. I'm looking at the at the board right now on how many teams have 16 games. Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, Indiana, Memphis with 17, so they go over the board. Milwaukee, uh, Philadelphia, Phoenix, Portland, San Antonio, they also have 17 the rest of the way, and Washington. It's at 13, so basically half the teams are playing on an average of four games a week, the whole fantasy playoffs. And you're starting to see teams getting eliminated. All of that to say, I don't want to get too sidetracked in just counting off teams and how many games they have right now, because that's not really the point. As we talked about a lot on Friday, it's not about exactly how many games they have. It does play a role, but it's about when on an individual week games are happening. Big picture stuff. One, if you have a guy who's ruled out a game in advance pretty much at any point this week, you kind of have to drop them because it means they're not that close to coming back. means they're probably generally... If a guy is ruled out a game in advance, he's probably not coming back in the game after that either. So just assume that means two games out. A good example of that is Terrence Ross, who is already ruled out for Orlando's game tomorrow in what's a three-game week for the Magic. Drop him. I don't care how good he might be at the end of this week. By the way, he actually does segue into a really good stretch of games. Funny thing about Orlando, three games this week, four games next week, seven games over 14 days, but there is a bunch in there where they have five in seven. That's where you look at possible magic replacements, depending on who might still be out for that team. Different discussion altogether. But Terrence Ross is a drop. If you have someone who you're seeing is not playing in back-to-backs and isn't inside the top 60, maybe top 70, that's a drop. Some good examples of this. The Pistons. Most of their guys are not playing in back-to-backs. In fact, there are just a handful of guys that are right now. Isaiah Stewart is playing in back-to-backs. looks like Josh Jackson is playing in back-to-backs. Sadiq Bey in. And in terms of guys on that team that have actually sniffed fantasy value, that's kind of it. Killian Hayes has been sitting out the second half of back-to-backs. Corey Joseph, Jeremy Grant. Mason Plumley have been sitting out the front end, and some of those guys are sitting out a game that's not even a back-to-back today. So the Pistons are going hard into rest mode. I think you can pretty much drop all of them, and maybe you stream Jackson and or Stewart. This is a schedule stream. Although, again, if Plumley really is basically cashing out on this season, and we knew this day would come. We just didn't know exactly when it was going to be. Plumlee last played on Saturday, so this isn't even a back-to-back, and he's getting rest tonight, and he'll rest half of their upcoming back-to-back at the very least. So that dude's a drop in, I think, every format, because even when he's in there now, he's playing, you know, 17 to 20 minutes. So we knew the moment was coming, that Isaiah Stewart was going to just was going to thrust himself into the big minutes. We didn't know exactly when it was going to happen, but it's now. It's happened. It has occurred. And if you were able to wait long enough, great. Seems like you're going to have a pretty good run for him. Albeit, there will be a game here and there where Plumlee's in there. Maybe two, three games out of the four in a week, or maybe half. And in those games, Stewart will probably play more like 24 minutes, which, over the course of this year, hasn't quite been enough. It was in their last game 
on Saturday, which, yeah, well, again, we'll talk about that. But over the course of the year, it actually hasn't been enough in the games that Plumlee's been in there. But that's not even really the point. Point is, if you were thinking about streaming someone else on Detroit or any team with a back-to-back, look to see if anybody's sitting out their back-to-backs. The third thing I would say is, many years in hyper-competitive head-to-head leagues that I've been in, where roster moves are day of versus day before, I think in Roto you can go... I know this is a side discussion, but I think in Roto you can go day before because the streaming element is less important and it also removes the need for everyone to be awake at midnight Pacific time. In head-to-head, I think it needs to be day of because you get late scratches, pulling guys off of your uh, injured list a day in advance. I mean, that's like... That's none. That's nonsense. In Roto, you don't need an injured list. Just make a really long bench. You don't need it because you don't take a zero having a guy that's just on your bench that's hurt. You rotate the guys in that aren't. Simple. You don't have to play all of your guys the way you do in an unlimited head-to-head league. Head-to-head leagues that have ILs need to have their roster moves day of. And everybody's just got to fight at midnight. That's what it's got to be. Because if you have a late scratch two hours before the game and you can't do anything about it, that's freaking nuts. You need to be able to deal with that on a whim because zeros kill you in head-to-head unlimited games leagues. So daily, basically. Daily head-to-head. In a way that they don't in Roto. You take a zero, care, whatever. Like, that guy didn't play. He didn't count against my games cap. I still can drop someone else into that games cap number. So assuming that your head-to-head league is roster moves day of, please make that change for next year if you haven't already. Because it's completely absurd to have it the other way in a head-to-head league. You need to wait until later in the day to make your streaming decisions. In the past, I have been an advocate of staying up until midnight to make my ad drop in head-to-head for that following day. Because it was a competitive league, I wanted to make sure that I got the guy I wanted. Use last week as an example. We talked at great length about how the Miami Heat had a 5-7 and seven that started last Tuesday, April 13th. Historically, I probably would have stayed up until 12.01 a.m. Pacific time and picked up Kendrick Nunn at that moment because that would have been one of your best streamers. And if I waited until the middle of the day or the afternoon, someone else probably would have picked him up. This year, and I don't know, maybe this is the way it needs to be going forward, but this year, I am waiting until the afternoon until I get an injury report on every damn team playing that night. Because there is absolutely nothing worse than using a roster move at midnight and finding out the next day that the guy you picked up is getting a rest day or just came down with a cold, a non-COVID illness, or had an ankle thing that flared back up. You cannot waste a roster move in the fantasy playoffs, and the amount of late scratches and injury stuff we've dealt with during this wacky COVID season is so ridiculously high that you just have to be okay with someone else potentially getting the guy that you wanted to stream. You get your second choice or your third choice, but damn it, you make sure that they are actually playing. You make sure the guy you pick up for his five games in seven days is going to play five games in seven days. 
So this also means that if there's someone you're considering dropping on your team, put them on your bench until the last possible moment because you don't want them getting a goose egg and then you not being able to drop them because Yahoo or whatever site you're on is like, nope, nope, they're already in your active lineup. You can't move them. Corey Joseph actually is an example I have on my own team right now. So this is why this is at the forefront, right? In the fresh in the front of my brain is I know this dude's not playing tonight. But I sure as bleep am not going to leave him in my starting lineup because I might end up dropping him for someone that plays later on the card than Joseph does. Their game's at 4 o'clock Pacific time. I might end up wanting to stream someone. I don't know who the hell. The Spurs have a decent schedule to start the week. Maybe I end up streaming someone on the Spurs. They play an hour later. If I accidentally left Corey Joseph in my starting lineup, I wouldn't be able to drop him at 430 when I make my call on who on, say, the Spurs. I mean, that's a hypothetical example. It doesn't have to be that team. I just mean guys that go later today, you don't want to get squeezed in. The whole point of all of this is you must maximize your games. You cannot get caught with your pants down on this stuff. You cannot. You cannot make a move that ends up resulting in nothing. That is the cardinal sin. Let's do a little reverse chronological lightning round. And again, we're going to move through it a little faster than usual right now because we're not really hunting rest of season value anymore. We are hunting value now for scheduling purposes in head-to-head or for opportunity purposes in Roto. Pelicans at Knicks. That was the early game yesterday, Sunday morning. Uh, Pels, I mean, what do we got to do to get a team to foul when they're up three with regulation counting down? In any event... Uh, over on that New York side, Nerlens Noel hurt his hand, but actually came back. So that's a good sign. He played 28 minutes to Gibson, played 24. Yes, that's because of overtime. If you're wondering how it got up to 53 minutes instead of 48 between the two of them, more or less. Someone else played center for like 20 seconds in there. Nerlens is definitely a go. Gibson is actually worth a schedule stream. So I'm, I'm not going to... Go back and tell you where all of these things are for these guys. It's not that soon for the Knicks, by the way. So you got to go back. Hopefully the Friday show is is fresh on your brain. I'm just going to tell you what category they fall into. But if I stop and I talk about every team's schedule again, this podcast will take three hours. By the way, Knicks really don't have a particularly good schedule the rest of the way. So anyway, Um, opportunity stream Derek Rose. He's getting closer and Alec Burks is in protocols. Reggie Bullock has been a top 70 guy for the last month, so that one isn't even really debatable at this point. But we've been waiting for Derrick Rose to finally hit that juncture where he turns the corner, and I think we may finally be there. Although, admittedly, everybody puts up numbers against the Pels, who don't really have much of anything right now. Eric Bledsoe had a better ball game completely out of the blue. You could probably call him a schedule streamer which for the Pels isn't until next week. And I don't know that anybody else even really falls into it. Najee Marshall is probably their next closest thing on the schedule streaming side. There's no opportunity streaming stuff going on there. Indiana lost at Atlanta. They are back now to mostly full strength. No Doug McDermott, but it didn't change things all that much. TJ McConnell seemed to get a small boost in this one for whatever reason, but he, Sabonis, Brogdon, Miles Turner, those guys were all in and uh, Levert as well. Those guys were all in anyway. So nothing really changed on that front. Schedule streamers for Indiana. Guys like Justin Holiday, Edmund Sumner, 
while McDermott's out, although I think he's back relatively soon. You could argue maybe Jeremy Lamb, although not that many minutes there. So again, that's opportunity streamer stuff. And for Indiana, you kind of missed it. They actually just had their good scheduling part. They have another one coming up in about two weeks, but between now and then, it's not uh, not all that good for them. Atlanta side, John Collins made his return. Miles Turner being back for Indy was part of the news on that one. John Collins played 21 minutes in his return. Uh, no Danilo Gallinari still, no Cam Reddish, no DeAndre Hunter. So there's plenty of opportunity left for the main guys there. Trey, Capella, Bogdan, Collins, these guys are all easy starts. Kevin Herter, who had a big ball game here against the Pacers, has been more of a uh, schedule streamer sort. And for Atlanta, they go 5-7 and seven starting tomorrow. They're, remember, they're a team that goes 5-7 and seven three different times the rest of the way, depending on when you actually want to fire them up. It could be tomorrow, you could do it Sunday, you could do it the following Friday. You got a lot of options there on the Atlanta side. But of course, stay tuned, maybe somebody comes back and ruins everything. Brooklyn uh, lost on the Bam out of bio game winner, although the Heat sound like they're basically resting almost everyone today. We'll get to that in a moment. Landry Shamit has been doing a lot. Kevin Durant went back down with a thigh contusion. Don't know what the exact timeline is there. Would kind of surprise me if he played in their next ball game. But, you know, I guess weirder things have happened. With Durant going down and Brooklyn actually having a relatively decent schedule here for the next couple of weeks, not today, but starting tomorrow, they go four and six days, you have some... Uh, you have some guys that actually fit the mold of both schedule and opportunity streamer. Landry Shamit, who's been taking a ton of shots lately, he probably falls into the both category coming up here in the not-too-distant future. I can make an argument that Nick Claxton might fall into both. Bruce Brown has fallen into both. Jeff Green, probably more on the scheduling side. I don't think that he clears the cut line in a games cap format. And then when James Harden comes back, you can pretty much wipe out all of those wings I just mentioned. Shamit, Brown, those guys disappear whenever Harden gets back into the lineup. Maybe tomorrow? It hasn't been completely clear how close he is? I'm playing a team with Harden in the playoffs, so <laughs> take your time, James. Take your time. Um, the Miami side... I mean, they're a, what a mess. This is the reason they're resting everyone today is for the stuff we talked about. This is the tail end of a five and seven for the Heat. And then they actually would, if you had picked up a Heat yesterday, that actually was the start of a secondary five and seven. So don't be too surprised if you see some more rest days for Miami, maybe when they're hosting Chicago on Saturday of this week. But let's assume that guys. They take today off, and, and you know, maybe that's enough for them going forward, so you do get the rest of them this week. Sounds like Adebayo is out. Hero is out. Who am I missing on this one? Somebody. Uh, Jimmy Butler's questionable. That would surprise me. I think he probably sits it out, too, as long as everybody's just sort of getting a little bit of a breather. Miami kind of punting this game against Houston. Uh, you know, who's not out is Kendrick Nunn. I haven't heard anything about Trevor Ariza sitting this one out because basically he didn't play the entire year. So he's apparently got plenty of energy. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got some heat possibilities. Really much more for one day. You have both schedule and 
opportunity streamers, and then it sort of settles back into more of the scheduling type of spot. But yeah, I mean, you got some opportunity streamers going on with Miami today since everybody's going to be sitting it out. Portland, Charlotte, the uh, lack of Dame caught up with the Blazers on the second half of this road trip, a quick two-gamer. We don't really know what the deal is with Dame. It's got He's got a tendinopathy going on. Is this just an opportunity for the Blazers to rest him for a couple of games? I don't know. I really don't know. It smells vaguely of getting him a breather, but at the same time, the Blazers are just two games up on the Mavericks for that play-in spot. They do not want to be falling back into that one. Only two and a half games up on the Grizzlies, too. So it's not I don't know. I don't the Blazers are not really in a position where they can screw around. The teams in front of them have a little bit more breathing room there, but Portland, I mean, they got a couple of teams breathing right down their necks that could toss them into the play-in stuff. That'd be brutal. So I get the feeling that he actually is hurt. And if we assume that that's the case, Portland having four games over the final six days of this week, and then actually a five and seven next week and the week after, maybe they, they got one of those back-to-backs we talked about on our Friday thing, there are some opportunity and some scheduling stream things going on with the Blazers. I'm not into the Rondé Hollis-Jefferson thing. I'm not into the Anthony Simons thing. I know those guys got a bunch more time in yesterday's game but not really my my cup of tea. I think the guy I would look at is Carmelo Anthony. He's been taking a crap load of shots with Dame out, and usage tends to be value. I don't, you know, maybe he drags you down with field goal percent a little bit, but if he's going to be out there taking 15 to 20 shots on a given night, that's enough because there'll be some threes. He'll be out there long enough to get you a couple of boards, a couple of assists. He'll get you a steal these days. I don't know how it's happening, but it is happening. And so Melo actually ends up being kind of an interesting potential stream this week. Cantor and Nurk probably can keep rolling them both out there for now. Charlotte's side. They're a very interesting team this week because they play on all the cockeye days. They have the one, the best schedule, arguably, this entire week. They go four games starting tomorrow. So whatever Hornets you can pick up tomorrow, you're golden. They also don't play on Wednesday, which is the overload day. So you're going to be able to maximize those four games for them. Problem, of course, is we don't really know what's going on with Devontae Graham. If Graham is going to miss a couple of ball games, Cody Martin becomes a really interesting grab for the rest of the week. Everybody else on Charlotte, I think, is pretty much rostered right now. Jalen McDaniels is pretty heavily rostered these days and probably should be because it doesn't sound like anybody else besides Graham is all that close to coming back. P.J. Washington is back, so that bumped Vernon Carey out of the rotation. He had some foul trouble early, but he just also never really got it going. I wouldn't trust any of the centers on Charlotte unless you're calling P.J. Washington a center, so I guess you can trust him. So Rozier, P.J., Miles Bridges, Jalen McDaniels, those are the guys you go. Devontae Graham actually now sits on the other side of this thing, where what if he starts to miss ball games on a team that has the best schedule of the week, basically? You probably give him a little bit of time, because you could still squeeze three games out of Graham starting on Thursday. If he's not back on Thursday, you, you drop him for someone else who also goes three times the rest of the week. But it's also why I don't think I can recommend a Cody Martin pickup because if Graham comes back, he disappears and then you're starting to get close to zeros out of him. Houston, we know John Wall is going to be sitting back-to-backs, which makes him a very difficult hold. 
Uh, but he sat out the back-to-back half yesterday, so he'll probably get three out of four games this week. Don't know which one of that 23rd and 24th game he'll be resting. Ah, it's probably enough. It's probably enough. And then otherwise, you start the starters. It's pretty straightforward. Jay Sean Tate's been awesome lately. Kevin Porter's been good. Kelly Olynyk's been amazing. Christian Wood has been good enough. Free throw shooting's been a disaster for him lately. And then on the games that John Wall misses... I don't think there's anyone really to drop in there. Houston's been pretty easy to target these days. Orlando's an interesting bird. We talked briefly about Terrence Ross during our very long opening of the show, breaking down the playoffs. We already know he's out tomorrow, and Orlando has a crummy schedule this week. Their schedule gets great on Sunday. They start a 5-7, and seven, but they only have two games between now and then. So they go two games over six days. Very difficult team to roster anybody on. And if you can hold out, great. This is, of course, from a scheduling standpoint. From an opportunity standpoint, Chuma Okiki looks locked in. Wendell Carter Jr. looks good. Mo Bamba's back, and he'll do it. He only needs 18, 19, 20 minutes to actually put up fantasy value, so I think he's probably an ad in Roto Leagues. Cole Anthony, I think we can probably call an ad just because opportunity is so massive right now with Michael Carter-Williams out and possibly not coming back. We don't really know. And then Gary Harris is actually kind of an opportunity guy also. So suddenly the Magic have like five roto-friendly guys. And I don't know if anybody on this team is head-to-head friendly at the moment. I don't know if any one of these guys is actually worth holding for two games over six days. You're going to want them at the tail end of it. But you can do so much more. There are a bunch of teams playing four times. So you're basically debating whether or not to roll a four-gamer or a two-gamer out. And either way, you make a move with the Magic. You don't have to make a move on the last day of the week. The other way, you do. That's the difference there. I think I'm probably punting almost every one of these guys. The only reason I would consider not doing it is because they go Tuesday, Thursday. So you're not going to get a wasted game on an overload Wednesday. But sheesh. That's rough. And then they're off Friday and Saturday. I mean, you could hold them in through Thursday and then try to get them back on Sunday if your waiver period's short enough. There are a lot of guys on this team that I would pick up on Sunday. You, that whole list that I just rattled off, and I think I would add Dwayne Bacon to it as someone I would stream for five games in seven days. So now you're talking about six guys on Orlando that are all schedule stream-worthy starting on Sunday, and maybe zero, again, possibly zero, that are schedule stream-worthy the first six days of this week. Terrence Ross is a drop. There's no question about that. He's out. Don't care. Roto or head-to-head, he's a drop. You can't be taking zeros from a guy that seemed to have mostly mailed it in at this point in the year anyway, and who can blame him? All of his teammates got traded. Uh, But it does open things up. You know, more for Gary Harris, more for Dwayne Bacon. Thunder at Toronto. Lou Dort, 29, and he's sitting out the second half of their back-to-back. <laughs> That's going to be a tough one, man. He just got dropped to a two-game week. Can you hold him? I don't know, man. And then you're like, but they have five games next week. Yeah, but does he play three of them? I think he's a drop. As good as he's been, a two-game week is not good enough, and then not playing in back-to-backs isn't good enough. Is there anyone on the Thunder that is worth rostering for a three-game week? And the answer is probably 
Alexei Pokoshevsky. Because we haven't heard anything about him resting a back-to-back. He could come out, and I, I think in... Oh, boy, I'm a little bit nervous about making this a call in Roto because he has this great stat set if it came together, but he also can't shoot at all right now. But what if he gets hot and has a seven three-pointer game with four blocks or something like that? Um, I know this is a huge ball game for him. I, I think in Roto, the answer is you probably could stick with Dort because who cares if he sits out a game here and there? Roto, you can go Dort. Maybe Moses Brown. He's right on the cusp for me. And then that's about as far as I go. Pokashevsky is also kind of on the cusp for me in Roto. In head-to-head, it's kind of nobody. Although, you know, you get three games the first five days of this week. You could also get rid of them. And then they have that five-gamer next week. That's where you want all of your thunder. On the five-game week, head-to-head stuff, I know Dort's going to sit out a few of those. But even the three-game week with the way he's playing right now is actually probably enough. Kenrich Williams is probably good enough in a five-game week. Pokashevsky, Roby, Maladone, Baisley, Brown, all of those guys are good enough in a five-game week. But very few are good enough in a three- or two-game week. Maybe none. On the Toronto side, they have a two-game week, and they're also a really complicated team to try to handicap because one of their two games is on the overload Wednesday. So you really need to be on a guy that you trust in a big way, which right now, Chris Boucher is maybe the only Raptor that I'm holding this week. Because it looks like they actually want him to play. It's unclear if how hurt Freddie Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry are right now, or if they're just getting rest. But Toronto's actually won three games in a row against some of the worst teams in the NBA, mind you. They beat the Spurs in there. Okay, so that's something. But then Orlando and Oklahoma City, I wouldn't exactly write home about those victories. They got a game coming up with Brooklyn and then New York this week. Those are two very losable games for the Raptors. So do we see the big guns come back for those? There's this other part of this thing going on where the Raptors are actually still the 10 seed in the Eastern Conference. They're in the play-in tournament right now. As bad as they've been, they're tied with the Bulls and the Wizards in overall record. They've played two additional games over those two other teams, so they could fall back through no doing of their own. But I don't know. I'm like, how do you not trade Kyle Lowry at the deadline and then not try down the stretch? That's a dichotomy I can't solve in my head. So I'm assuming that the Raptors are going to play their guys this week. Lord knows they got plenty of rest time in between. Now, Toronto was on a pretty bulky stretch of games where they had you know, nine games over two weeks coming into this one. Now, two days off Brooklyn, two days off New York. Guys are going to be pretty well rested. So I keep getting this question, what should I do with my Raptors? Because Pascal Siakam's been sitting out, OG Ananobi's been sitting out, Lowry, Van Fleet, everybody's been out for this team. Boucher's been in, Gary Trent just came back, which was a really good sign if you're thinking about holding on to him in a points format. In Roto, the question's a lot easier. You hold the guys. When they play, you play them. In head-to-head, this question is really, really hard, and I don't know that there's a great answer. Luckily, in a two-game week, you're not looking at any of the replacement guys because they're not playing enough for you to be worried about them anyway. So the question isn't really, should I add anyone? The question is, should I drop guys for dudes on other teams? And the answer is, 
Probably. But you could probably also get away until waiting for Wednesday to find out if Siakam, Van Vliet, Lowry, and Ananobi are in there. I think that's the best way to play this. Because if you drop them now, you're going to be pissed at yourself because they also have a five-game week starting the following one. And presumably if they're not going into full tank mode, and maybe they are, I don't know. They're resting all these guys, but they're winning. They'll probably lose both games this week. But who knows? Uh, and their schedule gets pretty tough <laughs> after this week or during this week. They go Nets, Knicks, Cavs. That's a winnable game. Nets, Nuggets, Jazz, Lakers, Clippers. Yeesh. So over the next eight games, they play one team that's under 500. Yowza. So that might knock the Raptors out. But who cares about May 5th? We're talking about right now. I think I would wait until Wednesday morning to get an injury report on the Raptors. The reason you can do that is because you could then drop whatever Raptor, Siakam, Ananobi, Van Vliet, Lowry, and you could still get someone playing three games this week. So you turn a zero into a three, or you turn a one into a three at that point. But if they're in, then you can probably feel pretty confident that they're going to play in the other game later this week. And if you can survive that, then you get the five-gamer next week, where, yeah, some of those dudes will probably sit out the back-to-backs, but also some of them won't. So I would wait until Wednesday on Toronto. I know it's a really hard call to make. If you're in a weekly format, you probably just bench them because it's a two-damn-game week, but you don't have to drop because weekly format, you don't get crushed by having an injured guy on your bench. They're on your bench. No one else can bring them in. Head-to-head, unlimited right now. You wait until Wednesday on the Raptors. Key guys to make a call there. And I'm talking about those main four. And then with Trent and Boucher, they played. So, you know, Roto, I don't like Gary Trent's game all that much anyway. And obviously he's going to do a ton if the whole team is resting again. So that's why you hang on to him in Roto. Uh, In head-to-head, I think you hang on to him because he was playing. So he was healthy. Yeah, you're getting stuck on a crummy two-game week, but dude was in there. So at least there's the health factor. I'd rather have someone else. But there probably aren't that many guys with four games, stream-ready four games, that you'd turn that slot into a streamer slot. I think you probably have other guys you could do it with. I've lost track of time. I think we're taking too long. If I had to guess, we're taking too long. All right, let's see if we can keep this thing rolling here. Uh, Sacramento won a game. Oh, boy, every team has got something we need to talk about. So much for moving fast. Uh, no Rashawn Holmes for this one, and I don't know exactly when he'll be back. Hassan Whiteside got the start, and he is a roto-friendly streamer. He only played eight, 19 minutes in this ballgame, but he still did right about enough to make the cut in roto. Uh, Sacramento does not have a particularly good schedule. They do have a back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday, but then they're off for three days after that. So from a head-to-head standpoint... If you're doing anything with the Kings, it's probably very much an early week decision, and you'll be moving on from them by midweek. It's interesting here in Sacramento, more from a Roto standpoint, because with Holmes out, not only did Whiteside get a bump, uh, but Delon Wright and Terrence Davis got a bump as well, because they really didn't go to a backup center. They went to a small ball lineup when Whiteside wasn't out there. So Mo Harkless and Harrison Barnes got some center minutes in this ball game, and that meant good things for the other wings on the club. 
Not Buddy Heald. He wasn't very good. <laughs> I think normally Buddy Heald will play more minutes than that, so Terrence Davis and DeLon Wright, those guys would take the hit. But there is an argument to be made that, you know, if DeLon Wright, this 26 minutes he played on Sunday, if he hits that marker, then he's a damn good fantasy asset. That's what we needed, but he was only getting to, like, 21. That wasn't getting it done. Head-to-head, again, you could stream these guys on the back-to-back, but I wouldn't use it. I, I don't like that roster move because Wednesday's an overload day anyway. If I'm making a roster move on a Tuesday, I, I want it to be somebody that's going to last me probably through the week, certainly through Saturday, not through Wednesday. That's, that's too clustered. You're using up your moves too fast at that point. But Roto... I wouldn't be that opposed to picking up Delon Wright or Terrence Davis. Definitely pick up Hassan Whiteside. And then deciding on whether or not you're starting them as the game approaches? Sure. Why the hell not? On the Dallas side, they do not have a good schedule this week, but they do have a five-gamer next week, and you got a lot of guys that fit the mold on the Mavericks of possible stream-friendly guys. They don't even play Monday, Tuesday this week. They do go Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. Eh not really my cup of tea there. I'd rather save the Mavs and pick them up next week. At which point, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr., even Maxi Kleba, Josh Richardson, those guys are all stream-friendly in a five-game week. Dorian Finney-Smith has actually been roto-friendly lately. I just know the second that I do something with him, he's going to fall off again. But he's been good. He's been pretty good for uh, a few weeks now. And he's... I would venture to say dramatically under-rostered despite actually being a top 50 player for a couple of weeks. That ain't nothing. He's doing good things. He's not turning the ball over. That's been a big key there. But a steal, a block, three three three-pointers he's averaged over the last couple of weeks. So yeah, he's roto-friendly. You can put him over the cut line. I'm good with that. Minnesota got blown out by the Clippers. We didn't learn a lot from this ballgame. Carl Anthony Towns banged his knee, which... Now you got another decision on your hands there because Minnesota's only a three-game week with a back-to-back in Sacramento of all places. Uh, we'll get a report on on Cat. I don't. It's not like you can drop him anyway, and their schedule stinks, so you're probably not picking up a streamer in head-to-head in Roto. If Cat has to miss a game, we got a. Unfortunately, last week for for sad reasons, we got a pretty good idea of what the Wolves would do when he's not playing. You need to go back and. Check out the data on that. It's not too tough. They had some afternoon games where they got smoked by some good competition. Uh, but Nas Reed tends to play relatively well when Cat is out. That's someone you could think about picking up a day in advance here and just you know, seeing if there's if Cat misses a ball game. I think you'd probably feel pretty good dumping him in your lineup. That kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, you have to have a spot. in Ro- This is Roto again that you really don't value at all. Uh, Clippers side on that game yesterday. Kawhi came back, and so that certainly cuts down on things you can do with the Clippers. Marcus Morris right around the cut line. I'd put him more at streamer level for the most part. He's been a very good three-point shooter, uh, but doesn't do a ton beyond that. He did hit that 12-shot marker. That's what we've talked about on this show before. Uh, hopefully you guys did not buy into the Rajon Rondo stuff as we continue to call him a big fat no. Reggie Jackson is a streamer. Zubats, Leonard, and George. Those are the three guys on the Clippers that you're holding in all formats because their schedule's terrible the rest of the way. And then as streamers go, the only time you'd really look at it would be you go Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday this week on like a Marcus Morris or Reggie Jackson stream, but then you're getting the hell out of it 
So you're only getting four days out of it. You know I want more than that from my long streams, but if you must, you must. And that was, unfortunately, only half the NBA, so we better move quicker. Utah arrested everybody in Los Angeles. They're in, La- they're in L.A. again tonight. Um, don't pay too much attention to that game on Saturday, although Donovan Mitchell being out means you're going to get more Jordan Clarkson, more Joe Ingles, and probably even a little bit more Royce O'Neal in terms of what they're willing to do on a basketball court. Um, but most of these guys are on rosters anyway, and, and Utah's schedule is not good for schedule streaming, so pretty much just move along from that. Anthony Davis will not return tonight. Lakers are off for two days, and it sounds like the Lakers are targeting Thursday to get him back in Dallas. They have two games in Dallas coming up later this week. Lakers not a good schedule this week, not a good streaming opportunity stuff. From a Roto standpoint, Schroeder, Drummond, those guys are usable. KCP has been hot lately, so there's maybe something there. But, you know, you're talking about tonight, and then after the the off time, guys like Markeith Morris is going to disappear because AD is going to be the starting power forward on that Lakers team when he comes back. Even if he only, he's probably played play 15 minutes in his first game, so it won't completely eliminate those other dudes. But from a Roto standpoint, because the head-to-head schedule is not good enough to look at, from a Roto standpoint... Lakers are a non-factor. You, you don't look at those other dudes because they're going to get pushed by guys with high usage. Bulls beat the Cavaliers. That was back on Saturday as well. Cavs will be without Larry Nance Jr. He has personal issues. He'll be missing their next ball game. Cleveland, again, will look at this from both standpoints. Cavs, four-game week, but they start a 5-7 and seven on Sunday. Can't make too many calls about them between now and then. Isaac Okoro is probably a guy that gets over the schedule stream usefulness line. Uh, Torian Prince probably moves back over that line for streaming starting on Sunday if Nance is still out then. I think Okoro makes it regardless. And then from a Roto standpoint, uh, you're good with the usual fare here. Sexton, Allen, Love, Garland. Those are your four Roto guys. On the Chicago side, they moved everybody around because with no Zach Levine, Billy Donovan's trying to figure out how to balance his offense, his facilitating, and his defense, and it hasn't been simple. Patrick Williams is a guy that's sticking in the starting lineup at this point. It doesn't sound like he's going to be moving off of anything. And the Bulls do go four times uh, the first six days this week. They have three games the first four days of this week. And they're a tough team to read right now. Kobe White's going to play a ton of time, so he's a go. Daniel Tice got the start, but didn't do very much with it. Garrett Temple got a start and didn't do very much with it. But if you wanted to get three games in the first four days this week, I guess you could make an argument there. I think with this Bulls team, because there's a lot up in the air, scheduling-wise... If you don't have them on your team, I'm not racing out to go add any of these dudes that are hanging around near that cut line. I think the only dudes on the Bulls that you're like, definitely I need to get them into my lineup right now are Vooch and White. And Thad Young went to the bench and played only 15 minutes because without his Zach Levine connection, his usefulness dropped a little bit. I think I'm going to probably still play Thad and Roto and just... I'm just hoping he does more that has more time than those 15 minutes. I got to think that he'll do a little bit more in their next one. But, you know, it's not locked in. Larry Markin had 16 points in 26 minutes this ballgame, also. 
But I don't trust him in Roto either. So streaming-wise, yeah, their schedule is okay. Like you could ride him for four games and then drop him on Sunday. Patrick Williams, I would say, is good enough to do that with. And then the Roto guys we talked about. And that's probably it. We talked a lot about Detroit during our opening segment because of all the guys that are resting. I, I, don't, I don't know that you run any piston out there that isn't playing in a back-to-back right now. As in all of them are off the board if they're skipping a back-to-back. In head-to-head leagues, I should say. In Roto, uh, I think you drop Isaiah Stewart in there anytime Mason Plumley's not playing. You drop Grant in there when he is playing. I mean, those decisions are a lot easier in a games cap format. In head-to-head, Stewart is a go. Josh Jackson is a go. Sadiq Bey is a go. And I think that's it, because those are basically the only guys going in back-to-backs. That actually see playing time in both. Washington side. Uh, most of their guys are playing. Rui Hachimura hurt his knee in this one. Alex Len hurt his ankle in this one. Uh, but Daniel Gafford is still being kind of held in check on the minutes front. Jordan Bell played 16 minutes. So he became the third center now with Robin Lopez and Gafford. Ah, the Wizards. I would start Gafford in Roto. Um, and I'd start them in head-to-head, too, because they go four games this week. They actually start a good stretch. The Wizards have a pretty good schedule the rest of the way. They go 4-4-4-4. Four, 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 four. So um, pretty much any of those guys you'd start in Roto, you'd start them in head-to-head as well. Beal, um, Westbrook, if you've had him this long, you still... Gafford is a go in head-to-head. Um, when you get to... Davis Bertans, maybe you could make an argument in Roto, but not head-to-head. When you get to their 5-7 and seven that starts on Sunday, that probably moves Denny Avdia into the go side. Five games in seven days is worth it for someone like him. He hasn't been very good, but it's, it's close enough. And with Hachimura going down, you're going to see more Avdia. So that gives him that window. And, and maybe Rui comes back at some point during that stretch, so it puts a tiny dent to that. But... Uh, he's the guy to me. Avdia is the guy that moves across that line. And then if Rui comes back and and has been dropped, then he definitely moves across that line as well when they go five and seven days. Warriors, uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson hit his head, so he's questionable. Steph Curry turned his ankle, so he's questionable. I mean, you're not benching any of those guys. Uh, or Steph, I should say. You're not benching Steph. You're definitely benching Juan Toscano-Anderson. <laughs> That's... um. Yeah, I don't even know why I brought him up. Warriors' schedule is not particularly good the rest of the way. They do have four games this week. So, you know, from a Roto standpoint, you're starting your usual guys. Kevon Looney seems like he might actually be a rebounding stream, if that's something you're hunting. Kent Bazemore, he's a go as long as Kelly Oubre's out. But in terms of head-to-head, Oubre probably comes back at some point this week, so Bazemore probably takes a hit there. Um... Looney hasn't been good enough, so you're really just sticking with the core three, probably. Curry, Wiggins, Draymond, and if we get a bad report on Ubre, he probably gets dropped. For the Celtics, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, they're questionable with non-COVID illnesses for tonight. You're not dropping those guys because they have two games off or two days off, and then they go three times Thursday through Sunday, so all of the normal Celtics stick with them in a head-to-head format. Uh, on that, that, uh, Thursday we talked about, they start a five and seven, at which point Tristan Thompson becomes streamable. 
and Robert Williams becomes the decision point. If any of these guys is going to miss more than one game this week, you have to move on from them. On that Thursday, when we find out whether or not a Celtic is missing a second, let's say Walker and Smart miss the game to start the week tonight, if either of them is going to miss a second game, you got to move on. Because at that point, you need to make sure you're getting three games out of that roster slot. And, so, and even more so, because Kemba's not going to play in the back-to-back anyway. So if he sits out tonight, you're looking at a two-game week. You could probably just drop him at that point in head-to-head. Two-game week won't, cut it, won't get it done. And that's two games max. Sorry. Smart, you probably hang on to. And then Robert Williams, you also kind of wait on. But uh, again, as mentioned here, uh, for the Celtics, if these guys continue to miss ball games, who steps into role? Or Peyton Pritchard would do more. Remember, they don't have Jeff Teague anymore. So Peyton Pritchard would be an interesting stream uh, later in the week. If Kemba Walker or Smart has to miss any additional time, uh, Jabari Parker actually becomes an interesting stream. I can't even believe I'm saying that, but he came in and he scored a bunch of points in relatively few minutes over the weekend. He played, what, 16 minutes, had 11 points. He's not bashful when he's out on the court. And I'm inclined to believe that they'll actually... They gave him a two-year deal, so they'll probably slowly ramp his minutes up if I had to get... Maybe, I don't know if they ever get higher than 20, but 20 minutes in a streaming role, he'll take a bunch of shots, and if guys are missing time... This is not, by the way, not a roto thing. Pritchard could actually be a roto thing tonight if Walker and Smart are out. He'd have to play a bunch. And Tristan Thompson has been borderline useful with the Time Lord out, so he might even make the cut streaming in roto in the very short term. But Boston's an interesting one, uh, mostly because of injuries, but also because their schedule gets really good later in the week. Memphis beat Milwaukee. Uh, Dylan Brooks now questionable. Grizzlies have a really good schedule the rest of the way, so I, I don't know how you move on from that team. They go 4-4-4-5 four, 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 if your season happens to go that far. Uh, they have multiple 5-7 and seven opportunities. Grizzlies... Uh, you know, I don't know that I'm racing out to pick anyone up on Memphis at the beginning of this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, but certainly on Sunday when they start one of those five and sevens, that's a spot to be looking at these dudes. And there are injuries, not just Dylan Brooks. Uh, we haven't heard anything on JJJ when he might resurface at some point. We haven't had any update on DeAnthony Melton. We haven't really had an update on Brandon Clark. And now Jonas Valanciunas is out with a concussion, which means Xavier Tillman is going to get more playing time. And, you know, Grizzlies will spread it around. That's their thing. Uh, But there are Roto fill-in opportunities popping up. Tillman's a fill-in guy. Grayson Allen's been a fill-in guy. While dudes have been out. Pay close attention to Memphis, more so from the Roto standpoint. And then starting on Sunday, when they just play every damn day the rest of the season, all of these guys are a go. Allen, Brooks, Slow-Mo, if JV's back, obviously. Desmond Bain is probably a go then. Tillman's probably a go. What if De'Anthony Melton is back? He could be a go for that 5-7. and seven. So pay attention on that one. Milwaukee, they do have actually an interesting scheduling thing coming up. They have a 5-7. and seven. From a Roto standpoint, I do not trust Bryn Forbes filling in for Dante DiVincenzo. I think I might consider him for a 5-7, and seven, but that would be about it. Um... Uh, Bobby Portis only played nine minutes in their game on Friday because P.J. Tucker's back. Pay very close attention to that 
from Milwaukee because they uh, Bucks have a game today against Phoenix. That'll give us a lot of data on what we might want to do with the Bucks towards the end of this week. They have a five and seven that starts on Saturday, and I think they're the only team in the NBA that can claim that. So that's an interesting little pocket. Spurs blew out the Suns. I don't know what the hell happened in this ball game. Uh, Drew Eubanks filled in for Jakob Pertl, who was resting. We cannot take a ton of data away from this ball game, so don't go digging too hard. Spurs' schedule is uh, pretty good. I mean, they go four, 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 five, so they actually have a really good schedule. But in terms of the clustering of games, if you're looking for a five and seven, that doesn't start for a couple of weeks. If you're looking for something sooner, I don't know that anyone on this team makes that cut it hits that marker so i'm not going to do too much on the spurs phoenix is another one that doesn't have a particularly good schedule uh at least in terms of clustering games and there really isn't anything going on there from a roto fill-in standpoint either and now the part of the proceedings where we look at friday and find out if we missed any teams the answer is almost always yes but now we play the game of which team was it uh philly i believe they're an interesting stream on a number of fronts philadelphia they go for the first six days this week uh seth curry was out now here we hear ben simmons is questionable tobias harris is questionable and that could create a roto opportunity for a guy like a Furkan Korkmaz or in a Matisse Thybul. So pay very close attention to what's going on with Philadelphia's injury report. Uh, who the hell else went on Friday? Denver went on Friday. Uh, Monte Morris actually got hurt in that. So Facundo Campazzo is now in an extremely intriguing uh, steals streamer, basically. Do they, they may have to go big for stretches. We'll see, I guess. We'll see what Denver opts to do. But I've got to think that with Jamal Murray and Monte Morris both out, that Campazzo is going to see at least 25 minutes of ballgame. And that's probably four assists and between one and two steals. And then anything you get beyond that is just sort of gravy. And the reason I bring this up is because Denver is interesting in that not only do they have games at the beginning of this week, but they actually start a 5-7 and seven run on Friday. So they're a pretty good team if you want to stream them and just sort of see how far it goes with the guy you pick up. Barton, uh, I'm, I'm still I'm holding out hope that Barton can actually do it on the Roto side as well, but he's definitely a, a head-to-head stream. Aaron Gordon is a head-to-head stream, as we just mentioned, Compazzo. I don't know if I'd go much beyond that because everybody else is kind of sharing things. But Denver is a very interesting team, uh, just given the injuries floating around them. And I think, I think that's it now. I hope that's it. If I left someone out, I apologize. Quick look ahead here at Monday, the show growing long in the tooth. But before I do, I got to tell you guys about our buddies over at manscaped.com. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. The Lawnmower 3.0. Man, that thing is sweet. Um... So let me tell you about some of the other stuff over with our buddies at Manscaped because they actually have something in the works and I'm not allowed to tip my hand on it yet. But I would suggest you guys check out some of the swag. Go to manscaped.com, enter promo code HOOPBALL20. It's actually really fun to have a Manscaped t-shirt. It's it's funny. Get one. Get a t-shirt. Get some boxers. Get some Manscaped boxers. They've got deodorants, body wash, 
powders, colognes, wipes, single-blade razors for the face. They've got a nose hair trimmer. That's the weed whacker. They've got replacement blades. They got all sorts of good stuff. And they got some other really cool things in the works as well. Can't wait to tell you guys about those. Those will be coming up in the next couple of weeks here, I think, on the podcast. So go check out our buddies at Manscaped.com, the Lawnmower 3.0 at all. Use promo code HOOPBALL20. Get 20% off and free shipping. It's Guys, they just make good products. I don't know any other way to, to express it. I use it. They sent me one. I use it. It's a great product. All right, quickie Monday preview here because we've, we've pretty much done this while going through the reverse chronological lightning round. Cleveland is in Detroit. We already know that a bunch of the Pistons are resting this ball game, and that makes it screwy. For the Cavs, we know Larry Nance is out. I mean, this look at is just an injury report at this point. Because, again, we're not hunting rest of season. We're hunting individual moments. And Isaiah Stewart is your individual moment. Warriors, Philly. Just talked about Philly a second ago. Is Simmons out? Is Curry out? Is Tobias out? Chicago, who's starting? Boston, who's sick? I mean, that's the thing right now. So, listen, this is dumb. Going through all these games is, is freaking dumb. Uh, just watch the injury report, man. Follow at Hoopball Fantasy to get your up-to-the-minute injury news and fantasy breakdowns because we are in stream mode right now, and we need to be taking advantage of it. There. I'm going to leave it at that. You got an hour, baby. My voice is tired. I am Dan Vesperus. This was Fantasy NBA Today, a Hoopball presentation. Back at you tomorrow. We'll do it all over again, guys. Let's win some damn playoff games. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.